Welcome to the Nemeth Report podcast. Hello, I'm Dr. Tammy Nemeth, historian and independent researcher, and I'll be your host. On today's podcast, we will explore the issues of Green New Deals, the net zero transition, the Great Reset, and where COVID is taking us. My guest is Mark Morano, author of The Politically Incorrect Guide to Climate Change, writer and executive producer of the films Climate Hustle and Climate Hustle 2, editor of the website climatedepot.com, and author of the excellent book, one of my favorites, Green Fraud, Why the Green New Deal is Even Worse Than You Think. Thank you so much for joining me today, Mark. Thank you, Tammy. Happy to be here today. I'm wondering if you can just take a really short, brief moment to tell our Canadian listeners who may not know about you uh, a little bit about yourself, how you came to climate issues and how you came to write Green Fraud. Well, I started out as investigative journalist. I actually worked for Rush Limbaugh, the television show, and I covered a lot of the DC. I was, I was his man in Washington. So I covered animal rights marches, Earth Day marches, um, all sorts of just the, the, the wacky protests from the left back then. And there was, and I remember people arguing that, you know, we need to suspend road building because too many animals were being hit by cars. And they actually wanted a moratorium on new roads because of the animal holocaust. So I started covering these type of issues. I did a, a documentary on the Amazon rainforest uh, in the year 2000. I went to the Brazil several times and interviewed the scientists, went on the ground and was able to determine that that, that, that you know, essentially was the most largest intact force on the planet. And it was constantly regenerating all the claims of, you know, how many football fields a minute were disappearing, were not validated. Even the scientists there were disgusted. And then a few years later, the New York Times admits for every acre of rainforest cut, 50 are being regenerated. They do. They know how to do logging now. There's less, less clear cutting because people are leaving the jungles and going into urban and suburban environments. Uh, so that's what I did. And I worked for the United States Senate Environment and Public Works Committee, where I did climate full time, uh, you know, as the communication director and the researcher and authored the thousand dissenting scientists report. I started out with 400 then six, I think 650 and then seven, 800 and then kept doing the reports as scientists around the world signed on to the report and then started Climate Depot in 2009. And that's what I've been doing since. And then the Politically Incorrect Guide to Climate Change, Green Fraud. And I have a new book coming out in, I believe, January or February. I'm not sure which month now, but it's already up on Amazon, The Great Reset, The, the Permanent Lockdown. And it's all about how COVID and there's several chapters on climate in that, but how COVID is basically fulfilling this dream of the one-party state by progressives. Excellent. I can't wait to read it um, since we're living it, right? <laughs> That's right, yeah. Um, you know, what I really liked about Climate Hustle and your books and everything is how you've spoken with so many eminent and, and knowledgeable climate scientists and people who care about this issue. And I was quite jealous that you had a a chance to speak with Vaclav Klaus of the Czech Republic. And, um, you know, you've attended some of these IPCC climate meetings and everything. And I'm wondering, is the science settled? Are we facing a code red like the recent um, IPCC report declares? Is there a climate emergency? No, there's not. It's interesting you'd say uh, the one thing you said, the code red. The person who said that was the UN Secretary General, Antonio Gutierrez. And he is the before he came to the United Nations. Guess what his job was? Former president of Socialist International. 
So this gives you an idea of what's going on. The man who said it's code red for the climate based on this new UN IPCC report was the former Socialist International. Now you, you talk about a, a revolving door. And no, the climate emergency is literally a political construct designed to scare people into the type of things that COVID successfully scared people into. Uh, you know, and what I mean by that is the climate activists were quite literally jealous when COVID came along. And if you read Green Fraud, I have two chapters devoted to the COVID climate connection, or about a chapter and a half. And I go in great detail about how the climate activists from Greta Thunberg to John Kerry to Teen Vogue to UN, uh, you know, former UN climate chief, Christina Figueres, all basically said the parallels of this are screaming at us. If we can do this for climate, we can do, if we can do it for COVID, we can do it for climate. These are the same solutions. For years at these UN summits I'd go to, they would be arguing for planned recessions to fight global warming. What is COVID-19 lockdown but a planned government recession where government's in charge of how long it's going to last? It's, you know, this is so... So no, there is no climate emergency. I, I saw the whole section on the science in the book where I, I detail how 90% of Earth's history has had higher CO2 levels uh, than today, and 90% of Earth's history has been warmer than today. In other words, we're in the 10% coldest period geologically, and we're in the 10% period that could support ice at either pole. And CO2 levels are actually at a famine, and one of the Princeton scientists who's the foremost expert on the greenhouse effect. So I go through hurricanes, floods, tornadoes, droughts wildfires, sea level, and show you that there's not only no, uh, on sea level, it's been rising for the 10,000 plus years, but on extreme weather, there is no trend or declining trends. And polar bears are disappearing, but they're only disappearing from Al Gore's books and movies, because since his first movie in 2006, their numbers have gone through the roof in excess of 30,000 plus in the Arctic. Uh, and even they have lost the image. They've lost their job as the mascot for global warming fears because they didn't cooperate and became too healthy and numerous. <laughs> exactly. That I always found that just, I have a friend who lives in the Arctic and she was like, why are they talking about polar bears disappearing? That's just such a load of garbage. <laughs> um, but what I find so interesting is, and, and annoying is how they claim that CO2 is pollution and we need to have a price on pollution. And that's such a, a distraction from real issues. And to basically say, you exhaling is pollution and so it, it especially in canada where we have just the mantra repeated over and over that co2 is pollution and we have to put a price on it and now we have a carbon tax that goes up almost exponentially every year it's it's outrageous and people are upset but yet they don't seem to do anything no they don't uh this is this whole entire um, issue uh, of climate has been around since really the 1970s. And I have a whole chapter devoted in my book to the global cooling scare. Yeah. And oddly enough, it's exact parallels because they were calling for international treaties, sovereignty limiting. They were calling for wealth redistribution. They were calling for degrowth movement. They were warning that extreme weather would get worse due to man-made global cooling. They wanted to put soot on the Arctic. So basically the climate overpopulation, the resource scarcity scares, the default, all of these were Trojan horses for the same exact solution, which was essentially what COVID-19 brought, the one party administrative state dictating every aspect of your lives. And that's where we are. 
but you know the climate issue just never succeeded for all those decades, and now they're trying to piggyback on the the uh, climate. Uh, COVID-19 issue. They're trying to become part of it. We don't address climate. Viruses will get worse. That's what they're reduced to at this moment. Exactly. And it's interesting because they've, I, I was so glad in your book, how you talk about the World Economic Forum, the Davos crowd, the corporations, and even the Club of Rome. And um, quite often I find that people who ought to know better just dismiss these people as, you know, quacks or they're absurd and everything else. But, you know, behind the scenes, they work assiduously like little drone bees, working, 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 um, extending this network, this movement, so that they, they've laid all this groundwork for the climate um, agreements and everything. And now we have the net zero plans and we have the Green New Deals, the Green Deal in Europe. We have something similar in Canada, but it's been spread across several different pieces of legislation so it's not a target kind of like how biden's doing it in the infrastructure bill um and so we've got all this stuff going on and they're working to lay that foundation and and now covid actually is sort of given them even though it's it took away the sort of momentum that had that had come out of 2019 and and all those big un meetings and everything um but it covid also gave them this opportunity really to push forward with this stuff using COVID as um, as the sort of, uh, not like a Trojan horse, but but they can use it for their own purposes. And I'm curious to know what you think will transpire at COP26. Well, yes, uh, okay. First of all, you mentioned World Economics Forum. I mean, yes, here's what's happened. They see COVID-19 as the greatest opportunity. Here's the bottom line. For years, uh, I'm gonna say foolishly tried because they were, they were never going to succeed, but they tried to go through Congress, get cap and trade. They tried carbon taxes. They tried um, uh, you know, all sorts of renewable energy. And they just never really succeeded in getting anything concrete through. I and mean, Obama was it. So Obama was the first to realize we need to go to the Chinification of America, which is the one party rule. The idea is you just do executive orders and you have your agencies do stuff. And the EPA started you know, imposing all the, you know, the clean power plan and all this other stuff. So but by, by bypassing democracy, that was sort of a little hint of what was to come. Well, COVID showed declare an emergency, suspend civil liberties, and you become your own you know, uh, tin horn dictator. And so what's happened now, and I think with the climate and, with, and what Klaus Schwab, the head of the World Economic Forum, we have to seize on this moment. The head of the UK House of Commons said it's amazing how compliant the public is. They're going to seize on this. Joe Biden right now is being urged by several senators, including Chuck Schumer of New York, the Senate Majority Leader, to declare a national climate emergency. This would give him extraordinary powers, bypass democracy. Biden has already announced every agency is a climate agency. He's already done multiple executive orders. He's doing climate through the infrastructure bill. They don't want an up or down vote on the Green New Deal. They don't want hearings. They don't want public forums on it. They want the unelected bureaucracy, the same way with COVID, to impose their agenda without a vote. And if you think about it, Americans endured, not just Americans, but around the world and still in places like Australia, <laughs> it's even worse in New Zealand. But we endured regulations on backyard barbecues, wed attending weddings, funerals, travel, stay at home, curfews, leave only for essential services, government period, all of that. And that was just like, it was like manna from heaven for the progressive administrative uh, bureaucracy. 
this is what they had dreamed of. The one thing they can't stand is people making decisions for themselves, living on their own. It's messy. It harms. It's in, it's creates racism, inequity, it hurts, all sorts of things. So they want to control every aspect. COVID gave them, and the way they're going to do it with climate now, that's where this climate emergency phrase is important. They want to declare, and we've already had cities around the country declaring climate emergencies. The idea is if you face another emergency, you don't have to go to the parliament, to the legislator, to the town council, to the county board. You as an executive can be your own little dictator and start doing what's right for the people. It's exactly what the climate activists from Tom Friedman to Christina Figueres, they actually and quite literally said, Tom Friedman, pages in New York Times, said that China is doing it right. We need to follow their model. And the, the UN climate chief actually said, Christina Figueres, that you know China is the, the role model for the world. They're imposing you know, the right policies. They don't have the messiness of democracy. So this one party state is what they've always desired. And now that they have it, that's why they're going for permanent lockdowns. Scotland, the nation, has announced that they're going to do a permanent COVID-style lockdown. They're going, to, they're going to have constant emergency powers going permanently, and they're going to expand it beyond COVID. Bloomberg News at a columnist say we need the permanent, basically the permanent lockdown has to come. In other words, this is what's been missing in their view, the progressives from America for the last hundred or so years is the idea that government is not controlling much, much more. And now that government is, they don't want to let it go. And climate plays right into that. Climate's going to be a player, a secondary player. It's going to be COVID viruses first, climate second. But climate is the second one in here. But you know, even in New York, they're trying to declare gun violence a public health emergency. Biden yeah. administration's trying to declare uh, misinformation a public health emergency so they can justify monitoring our texts and working with colluding with private, I'm saying that with quotation marks in my hand, private industry, you know, like Facebook and Amazon and Twitter and all that. So this is the mess that we're in. And it's called the Great Reset at this point. That's their words, not ours. Climate lockdowns, that's their words, not ours. Gates, Soros funded uh, publications are actually calling openly for moving from COVID lockdowns to, quote, climate lockdowns, unquote, with horrifying detail, Tammy. I mean, we're talking about these energy reports that are coming out of the UK, government-funded, the International Energy Institute, they're actually talking about limits on our airline travels, limits on private vehicle ownership, banning pickup trucks, banning SUVs, uh, monitoring your airline travel. I mean, it's, this is just – it's your worst nightmare from the bureaucratic state. And most people aren't even aware of it. They just think, oh, you know, COVID cases will drop and they're going to lift all this and life's going to go back to normal. No, it's not. No. <laughs> no, it's not. So. I, one of my questions was, do you think they're going to do a climate lockdown? I think so as well. And so one of the people that you mentioned in both Climate Hustle 2 and in your book is the economist Mariana Mazzucato from the UK, who was warned she did this terrible article in September um, about how climate lockdowns might will likely be necessary if you don't get with the program, right? And it was like this terrible sort of ultimatum that was given. And I don't know if you're aware of it, but in June of this year, she was appointed by the Socialist Government of British Columbia to advise on the future of the economy as BC develops a long-term economic plan that will steer the province through the post-pandemic era. So I did not know that. So yeah, that's fascinating. So her and her team are, are advising the BC government. And interestingly, the BC government before June said they would not introduce a vaccine passport. 
And now it announced a few weeks ago that by the middle of this month, they're going to have a vaccine passport and that it'll have to be used for basically doing anything public that's non-essential. And what I find so interesting is how these people always define non-essential or you should be able to live sufficient with sufficiency. And who's defining these things? Where are they coming up with? Who's who's doing the list of how you ought to live and what's sufficient and and everything else? And what frightens me is that I've heard, I've seen in some of the academic articles where they're saying, well, you know, people are kind of a problem and no one likes the idea of a committee making these decisions. So we'll just have an AI do it. So I think that's a little more scary, <laughs> having some artificial intelligence telling you how you ought to be living, which would be part of this, the, the, the app that they're talking about um, bringing in. Yes, I mean in in uh, in my the book I'm working on the Great Reset and actually at Climate Depot I've had a few of these articles as well. These this AI artificial intelligence first of all that's one of the tenets of the uh, Klaus Schwab and the and the Great Reset where the idea is that computers become even more human and start taking over more tasks. But beyond that, this the algorithms that they're trying to do. My favorite quote is uh, Naomi Wolf, the uh, former Clinton Gore feminist progressive advisor, who's now become anti woke and actually woken up. And now she is out there warning of government tyranny. You know, she says this is not Chinese social credit style system in the future. This is Chinese communist social credit system now here in America, here in Canada, and they're monitoring all these. You know, app phones we have where we've given them our fingerprints or our eye irises on our eye, you know, eye logging with our eye, and they're monitoring all of our movements and they're, you know, people are doing the COVID passports in and they're entering all this data. This is how the future is going to be of, you know, of, of, of population control. This is how tyranny, and that's what they brag about. They openly brag. People affiliated with the World Economic Forum will brag that we don't need you know, we don't need the old style tyranny that we saw in the 1930s, say in Germany or what Russia used to do, or even what China did years ago. Now it can all be done through essentially cutting it off. And, and two examples, uh, uh, Flynn, who was the former advisor, to, the military advisor to Donald Trump, had lost his credit card because the, I think it was Chase Manhattan or one of the credit cards actually said, we don't want you, you're, you're going to hurt our brand. So we're not going to issue you a credit card. On top yeah. of that, Candace Owen was refused a COVID-19 test because she didn't play along with the official lockdown, you know, mask mandate, best past vaccine passport uh, narrative from the WHO CDC. So she was denied medical you know, treatment, which you need in order to fly and everything else, all sorts of regulations. So that's what's happening. And if you go further, you know, I my blog's on WordPress, WordPress, uh, and I use MailChimp. They've already said they're not going to tolerate misinformation. So you could lose blogs. How long are people going to be able to have Gmail? This is the new tyranny. They can make you a non-person. They can shut you out of life. They can take your credit cards. They can seize your bank accounts. They can um, literally deny you medical care. We have multiple instances of doctors refusing to, refusing to treat unvaccinated for COVID-19. Yeah. I mean, this is the new 
tyranny. And it's a much softer form of tyranny, obviously, than being locked up or executed. But they actually brag, and that's in my book, that people just saying, you don't need that kind of stuff anymore. We're much more sophisticated now. And they can just make it look like you're some kind of evil, immoral dissident or something. And that's why you're not being able to play. You're not playing nice so you can't participate in society. But they're stripping everyone of their rights as a citizen. And that includes the right of free speech, the right of even saying anything you want is labeled misinformation. You're deplatformed, you're defunded, you're tossed out. Look at what happened to Alex Berenson, the former New York Times writer, writing about the COVID-19 stats just recently. So yeah. this is what we're facing. It's And then you have you know, Republicans on Capitol Hill and many think tanks accepting money from Google, Apple, and and they're sort of defending these are free market. I believe in the free market. These companies, we can't regulate them. This is free market when the president of the United States announces that they're providing lists of people who they want banned on social media. This is no longer anything resembling a free market. And the idea that anyone would claim that, you know, let alone a conservative or a Republican claiming it, is just abhorrent. Well, you know, this ties into something else I wanted to chat with you about. And it's um, when people start just they want to play along to get along because they think it's just rule changes and they're just trying to adapt to the rules to to survive and, and get through things. And in your book, you talk about um, that when the industry and the scientists and the conservatives concede the premises of climate change, climate emergency, CO2's pollution, when they concede that narrative, when they concede that point to not question the science, and when they concede the point that climate is a problem, then all that's being argued, like you said, is that these policy options are just too expensive. And, you know, the conservatives in both Canada and the United States and in the UK, I wouldn't even call them conservatives anymore. They're, they're pushing socialism light. And so if you start conceding the points that it's okay to deplatform someone for misinformation, if you concede the point that it's okay to deny someone medical coverage, because they disagree with you on on vaccination or something. Um, if you start conceding all these things because you're afraid to be called a denier or an unvaccinated or an anti-vaxxer or whatever, um, the question then becomes, how should we be communicating? How should we be pushing back on this? Good question. Well, on the first point, I actually just recently debated uh, Benjamin Backer, who's with... Uh... American Conservation Coalition, I'm probably getting it wrong, American Conservation Coalition. But anyway, there are a group of Republicans who basically say climate is a problem and we need free market solutions. The problem is this, this guy, Benji Backer, was invited as a conservative Republican by some Republican to testify when Greta Thunberg testified on Capitol Hill in 2019. He sat next to her. He turned to Greta, this is the Republican witness turned to Greta Thunberg and thanked her for raising awareness of climate change. Now, the last person in the world, Greta's famous lines, I want you to be afraid. The last person you would ever praise in the world for raising scientific awareness would be someone like Greta Thunberg, who uses fear, intimidation, and is very unscientific in just about every presentation she makes on climate. So that's what we have. That's unfortunately what many Republicans, Kevin McCarthy, the House Majority Leader here in the Congress in the United States, Republican, is basically saying, yeah, you know, we our solution is this, and they come up with what I would call a green new deal light, which doesn't really, it, you know, it's a joke. Plant trees, carbon capture, solar wind mandates, more and more, spend a lot of money. You know, 
that's you can't sell that as though we face a climate problem, but that's our solution. That's as unscientific as saying we face the climate crisis and the Green New Deal. Neither is going to if we face a climate crisis, neither plan is going to have to be relevant. Okay, it's it's nonsense. As John Kerry said, you can zero out the U.S. to nothing, and, and it wouldn't affect even global emissions. It would have almost no impact. And uh, if you actually are concerned about emissions, we have a serious problem. And that luckily, there's no reason to be concerned about it. But but the way forward is tough because I, in my first book, I actually said, you know, when the when you have the when faced with the non-problem of global warming, you must have the courage to do nothing. So in my second book, I then admit that wasn't the best advice that I gave because very simply, when you do nothing, it creates a power vacuum and it fills with people <laughs> like Benji Backer and Kevin McCarthy who want to appease and not challenge the premise. So the, the, I guess the way forward is you have to, we have to keep fighting the premise hard and we have a lot of help the last year has been very kind to us michael schellenberger progressive left-wing environmentalist recanted and apologized for his role in the climate scare and obama's scientist uh, uh named coonan has come out yeah, steve coonan has come out and you know completely upended the scientific debate on climate uh and there's other other scientists uh who are speaking out continue again from the left but from the left as well. It's an incredible now we have to fight this. The new UN report came out. It was just nonsense. One of the things the IPCC report, you have to challenge it head on. You can't accept it and thank the UN for their hard work and we'll work on our Republican solutions. No, the UN report that just came out about three weeks ago actually had a lead author who, first of all, was financially benefiting from the report because he has a climate modeling agency and he's you know his name's associated with the report and he gets all the publicity so he's like marketing and secondly this un climate report lead author actually openly admitted that the the purpose of the report was to change how people vote and scare them essentially it's a lobbying document it's not a scientific document it's complete lobbying the whole un was set up the climate panel was set up as a as an idea of setting it up to show that climate's a problem or would have no reason to exist, and they get the double benefit of coming up with the problem and hyping it, and they get to be in charge of the solution as long as they keep finding the problem. That's what we're faced with. And these Republicans just want to accept it and basically say, well, the UN has spoken and we'll accept the science, but we need, you know, we need to do solution other than the Green New Deal. And you know, this is where we're stuck at. And this is where you get the Mitt Romneys, um, who Oddly enough, Mitt Romney also supports vaccine mandates, and it's just amazing how they're all in on the COVID stuff as well. Um, and it's really a problem of just you know, Republicans who um, have been exposed in this era of you know, climate, climate change and also um, uh, the climate emergency, uh, the COVID-19 uh, issue, because they're just not willing to fight back. And that's what we're finding across the board. So it's time to clean house within the Republican Party. So I always tell people, we have to have our side, meaning libertarian, conservative, free market. If we're not actually fighting it, it's hard for me to get mad at the climate activists, the UN, the progressive Democrats pushing it, because they're doing what they believe for the most part. You know, not saying the UN, but a lot of these progressives and activists certainly believe that we face this and on some level, they're they're trying to fight it, but our side, you know, they just don't want to fight and they don't want to be labeled a climate denier and they're weak and they're appeasing and that's a problem. So we have to get our side in order. I agree. And, you know, why do you think all, I mean, all of the Western leaders, national, state, provincial, 
they're all in lockstep with this. Like all of them support the lockdowns. All of them promote vaccinations. All of them say there's no treatments for COVID. Um, all of them say build back better. All of them support net zero by 2050. All of them. And, you know, why do you think they're all in lockstep? It's it's that one party state where the idea is, and this happened in the climate, the exact same thing happened. Professors, universities, politicians, um, foundations, the media, we're always in lockstep on climate. The idea is, this is the same reason Facebook and Google and YouTube all say, if you say anything that contradicts what the World Health says on COVID, regardless of what the you know, the, the, the opinion is that day, uh, you will be banned and you will be you know stripped and you will be censored. Well, it's the idea is that they put, it's having faith in science, it's these institutions and not data and science. So they have faith in the conclusion of politicized agencies like the WHO and CDC or the UN Climate Report or the National Academy of Sciences. I go in the book and say the National Academy of Sciences is 100% funded by governments. And Richard Lindzen, uh, MIT scientist said, if the government funds the National Academy of Sciences, started by Abraham Lincoln, by the way, this AGUS science body, they fund it, and if they tell them that they want them to find the climate crisis, by golly, they'll find it. And they end up lobbying and supporting climate bills and cap and trade. This is supposed to be our foremost science group, funded by government doing the bidding of politicians. This is what happens. So no one wants to go against that. Very few people do, because if you do, you're going to have problems at you know, fundraising, you're going to have problems dealing with corporate America, you're going to have problems, you know, in your family, your kids will be against you, your wife could be against you, you're going to have problems, any media reports, you're going to have problems, you're going to be labeled an evil denier, you're going to be labeled anti-science, and just Republicans don't want to deal with that. They want to, they want to, they want to just check the box, oh, I'm not, a, I believe in climate change, it's real, and it's caused by man, so let's move on, and I just don't believe in the Green New Deal. So they'll accept the premise, and then suddenly it's like, okay, you believe we face this problem, but the Green New Deal is too expensive, or the you know, cap and trade is too expensive. So we're facing a climate emergency, 10 years left, nine years left, and you're saying it's too expensive. We're Americans. We can spend whatever, we you know, bear any burden. And that's where they're going to lose. They're going to never out you're not going to you're not going to win that argument these republicans who say not so me too and then uh, not so fast and then me too and that's what we're seeing both climate and covid it's very hard to stand up because it affects every aspect of your job if you're a politician your donations your donor base your corporate base your media base um and even a lot of your you know whether it's the chamber of commerce who's you know gone woke to a large degree i mean all of these Company, this, these organs of American society, the institutions are being essentially paid off, bought off, and now they're coming for the conservative think tanks. You know, don't be surprised, Tammy, you could be talking to me next year. If I get some money from Google, hey, I'll start talking about how great they are and how great they are to follow who guides. This is what happens to people. They get corrupted. I hope that won't happen, but I was joking we should try to get a big grant and then rail on them. It would be impolite, but just try to get some money from them and then burn them bad and then, you know, go do a series of reports and media hits against them. But anyway, you know, against the big tech. But <laughs> but anyway, this is what happens. So, I, well, I'm curious because we agree on the whole degrowth and the affluence is the problem and and all of these things they're pushing with the with the net zero by 2050 plan, which, of course, just happens to coincide with the 100 year marathon of China in 2049, when they'll have more control, hopefully they're saying of the world. Um, but so then it becomes a matter of what do you think 
they're going to replace the system with because like I wrote an article for real clear energy a few weeks ago about the new cascade Institute at Royal Rhodes University in Victoria in British Columbia. And it's headed up by Thomas Homer Dixon and its whole premise is to create a cascade collapse of Western civilization. And they say, this is our unabashedly bold goal. And they're producing studies. They, one of their advisors is John Holdren um, and various other luminaries of the progressives. Yes. And, and they're, they're actually working towards collapse, collapsing the system. So when it does collapse as they're, as they're trying to do, what do you think they're going to replace Western civilization with our system. Well, it's going to be that what they're going for, and you can see it in the UN. They've talked openly about global governance. They they laud what China has done, and so what it's going to come out to, and that's essentially what they're going to replace it with, is the vision of the Great Reset, which is essentially what you just said. This university is doing. It's the collapse of the existing order. What's the, and just think about it. Just let's pause. What's the best way to collapse the existing order? Oh, wait a minute. A lockdown, an endless lockdown that literally crushes small business results in the largest transfer of wealth from poor and middle class to the elite and wealthy. You know, in other words, you could almost the amount of money that the poor and middle class lost is the, about the exact amount of money billionaires gained. Walmart booming, Amazon booming, Facebook booming, corporate chains booming. Who's hurting? Small mom and pops up to 60 percent. New York City restaurants may never reappear. Um, and they got it. Why? Because these they can't control small businesses that way. The reason progressives no longer rail on big business is because they're in charge of it. Every corporate board shivers to the woke progressives at this point. They they kowtow to their every whim. So what they're going to replace it with is a frightening vision of global elites uh, dictating every aspect of our life like a lockdown. That's why permanent lockdown is a phrase that they use. This is what they've been waiting for. COVID is an opportunity. Let's use Jane Fonda, the actress, activist word. COVID-19 is God's gift to the left. I would argue it didn't come from God, but it is a gift to the left. I will agree with her on that. One of the interesting things that I saw um, on Christiana Figueres' Outrage and Optimism podcast back in March is one of the, um, her co-presenters got really excited when the world locked down and you could just hear it in his voice. And he was saying, the great transformation, it's begun. This isn't the way we thought it would go, but it's begun. And then she was sort of like, okay, tone it down a little, you know? Oh, yeah, she's she was... very aware. She's savvy. I mean, I've confronted her before about her quotes, uh, you know, on China, centralized transformation. She dodges, weaves, and even in interviews, she'll say, like, well, you know, on COVID, well, well, you know, no one really supports it. We don't want to support that. But, you know, to the extent, see, they're always, she's very cautious. She, just, she never, she tries never to let us. Years ago, most of these quotes she said are from years ago. But you're absolutely right. I, I could see her dodging that. But this is the great collapse. They are so excited, the transformation, the reset, whatever phrase you want to use, because what they have now is what's happening. You have even a conservative president like Donald Trump supporting COVID relief. I've been on airplanes, United Airlines, that literally can't fly because they can't find enough workers. Their flight cancellations are through the roof this summer because people are making more on COVID relief bills at home than by working. And this yeah. is the part of universal basic income, guaranteed annual income, is now making the rounds all throughout the United States. They're talking about, they basically have started it on a federal level. In 1972, George McGovern lost 49 states to Richard Nixon promoting a universal basic income for people. You don't, you get an income regardless of whether you, you know, if you don't work. 
we've now accepted it. So the idea is government makes you dependent, makes you weak, unemploys you, destroys your business, but don't worry, we're gonna give you a check. Don't worry, we're gonna give you these benefits. Don't worry, it's gonna go on. And this is, what does that do in turn? It then empowers the government even more and those people will vote for them. They'll get more and more loyal voters. So what's happened here is you have the very poor voters and the elite, the poor and lower middle class are now gonna be fueling these policies, which are now gonna just squeeze out what was ever left of the middle class. And that's where it's extending beyond this, obviously beyond you know, COVID and all that. We're now dealing with a war on the suburbs uh, where the Biden administration is saying the suburbs are racist, our international highway system was racist and that created the suburbs. So now we have to start putting, you know, multifamily zoning, uh, you know, basically public housing in, 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 in the suburban areas. We have to increase the density. Um, this is not a way to live. This is a racist way to live because the suburbs are more white people than black people. So this is where they're headed. And it's just a re-engineering. It's United. I, I go through this in Green Fraud, the UN Sustainable Agenda Development, yeah. which was started essentially in the 70s, but the U.S. logged on to or locked on to in the, the, the Rio Earth Summit. They're winning and they're winning on every aspect of this. We are getting crushed. They're just making incredible, they were already winning long before COVID. Now that's a runaway victory. And most people conservative aren't even aware of how badly we're losing our freedoms every day, every hour. Well, you know- Trying to gouge our eyes out. Yeah, Give up, I, sorry, sorry. <laughs> well, you know, as a historian, uh, I, I believe we're at the cusp of something very terrible and evil. Yes. And that's, yes in the process of obliterating the system of freedom and liberal democracy that, you know, my family sent people to fight and die for, you know, and now the majority of the go along, get along people, they're sleepwalking us into some type of authoritarian system, great reset, whether it's run by oligarchs, technocrats, um, maybe China's got, you know, I think there's competing interests there because there's, always a web of powerful people wanting to do their own thing. And, and um, I'm really worried that, you know, this is some pre-programmed, ill-defined way of what our betters decide is sustainable and how we ought to live. And so <laughs> I know they've been winning a lot. So what do you think people can do to resist this? What can we do? Well, I, I, in the book, Green Fraud, I use the analogy of the Berlin Wall. The Berlin Wall didn't come down because the East German government said, ah, oh, you know, 40 years of oppression. You know, Eric Honecker was the East German uh, uh, plant by the Soviet Union. We're going to free the people. Let's tear down the wall. It came down because people no longer gave their consent to live under tyranny. And we're seeing that. The, the most heartening scenes and the way forward, Tammy, to fight this is what's happening in France right now. They've turned famous uh, French uh, uh, streets into people sitting in the middle of it eating picnic lunches because they're not allowed in unless they have a, a vaccine passport. So the un, the unsophisticated, unvaccinated are our best hope right now, to use the phrase that they use about Obama's, yeah, they use the phrase about Obama's uh, party in, at uh, Martha's Vineyard. They said, oh, don't worry, it's a sophisticated vaccinated crowd. Well, the unsophisticated, unvaccinated are our greatest hope. So in France, massive resistance. In Australia, massive resistance. In Queensland, Australia, they're worried that the protesters may breach the parliament. Does that sound familiar? January 6th. <laughs> That's how upset people are uh, living under this tyranny. In Germany and England, the protests continue. The media is trying not to cover it. But our greatest hope, and, and I, in the United States, I say, New York, New York, it's up to you, New York, New York. Start spreading the news. If they give in to this COVID passport, 
then it's really bad. New Yorkers have been tough, independent, whatever you think of them, rude. Now is the time for all of those qualities to fight this mayor's uh, attempt. This is an experiment. It's a social experiment. New York accepts it. It expands. If New York rejects it out of hand, then we're in good for at least the next round where they're going to try. They're conditioned to so much, though. Don't be too heartened by New York pulling it back because they're just trying other stuff. Everything is social conditioning. I saw a picture today of the teachers unmasked in public school, but all the kids had masked, elementary school kids. Oh, and yeah, the, the, the expression was science. Now, think about that. That's where we're reduced to, using kids as our social experiment, social conditioning. So the only thing we can do is resist. I mean, I've, I'm fighting this ever. I just had a nasty conversation with my dog vet yesterday. You know why? Because now in September of 2021, my local vet is still making you drop your pet off in a parking lot. I tried this and I had a list of things I wanted them to address on an old bulldog. And they came back. Oh, yeah. Oh, sorry. We missed that. We missed. That. I didn't get to talk to the doctor because of COVID protocols. So finally, I called my vet and I just said, I don't understand this. You guys are an outlier among everyone I know. I can go to eye doctors, dentists, regular doctors. I can go to Walmart. I can go to a church. I can go to a post office. Everyone's together in a room, but somehow your vet office has to be completely sealed off from the world. We have to drop a dog off in a parking lot. I don't understand it. So I said, you're compromising the care of your animal. The conversation got very ugly and they got very hostile and upset. I asked to talk to the head of the, of course, they never called me back, but I pulled my dog from there and they said one thing that was important. They said, no one's ever complained. They're like, well, you can never say that again. In fact, that's the greatest reason why I call is because you can no longer say no one complained. I'm complaining. I'm telling you that your policies are over the top. They're ridiculous. They make no sense. And you're compromising the animal's care. So little things like that. I've had police threaten to call on me and at, at, at Walgreens, uh, drug stores before. Uh, and when you go into a Walmart, I was in Costco yesterday, 99.9% .9 of the people had masks on, even though it wasn't required. I didn't wear yeah. one. Uh, not that I'm not, I believe COVID is real and it can be serious in some people, but a mask isn't going to make a difference and I'm not going to wear the paper obedience mask. <laughs> well, you know, I live in the UK and it's the same thing. They lifted, they lifted the restrictions in, in the middle of July and you go into the supermarket and there's maybe 5% of the people are not wearing masks and everybody else still masks up. And it's really sad. It's really it's sad fear. to it's see incredible. it. It's yeah. They, they did such a, a big psyop here with the with the fear mongering. And, you know, we live in a village where it's predominantly elderly people. And, you know, they're, they had the fear, they scared the crap out of them. And yes. some people refuse to even go to church or attend a meeting because they're afraid, even now. Yes. So yeah, yeah, and fear is what fear is where climate fail, just to bring that back. But uh, so yeah. we're facing a big thing. So yeah, my, my book is Green Fraud, and the other book is The Great Reset, which you can now pre-order on Amazon. I believe it's out now. Uh, the permanent lockdowns. Well, thank you so much for taking an extra ten minutes. I know you're you're really busy, you know, okay. fighting the cause, and, and I, I'm so grateful for all you do and that you're working so hard to to try and stop this slide into tyranny. Thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank you.